Some of us still carry the burden of battle. It threatens to drown us in our everyday lives. In battle, we had our weapons and combat gear to keep us safe, to keep us confident. But when we returned home, we were not armed with weapons and gear to cope with our own minds. I was lucky to find my combat gear, my mental weapon, and it's called Calmago. Calmago is a drug-free device that allows you to achieve calm in less than three minutes. In moments of anxiety, stress, anger, panic, or insomnia, not with medication, but rather by activating the parasympathetic nervous system through breathing regulation and multisensory stimulation. A recent study has shown that Comigo decreases PTSD and anxiety levels in veterans, helping those who are suffering and having a long-lasting effect. Visit Comigo.com to learn how you can get Comigo through the VA or with a special veteran's discount code. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to the show. This is the Frondose Show on MBR Radio. How are you this morning? I want to say thank you uh, for taking time out to tune in and listen in today. Um, hopefully this is going to be uh, very exciting for you. Uh, it's been a long time coming uh, because I have had opportunities to be on this network um, over maybe about a year or so ago, and I finally uh, pulled the trigger and uh, accepted the invitation. So I just want to say thank you again for taking time out in your day to listen to the show. I'm just going to have this first episode uh, to reintroduce myself uh, to, to this community of, of veterans. Some of you may not know me. And so I want to take you through this timeline of how I got to be in front of you today. I want to say thank you to the organization again at NBR uh, for allowing me to uh, bring this conversation to their network. Um, I know they're located in Denver, Colorado, and I appreciate that because I have uh, a, a slight connection to some conversations that are connected to Denver as well. So I want to be able to just share some information um, that first uh, intro PSA you heard is Call Me Go. Um, veterans like myself, I did not want to take any drugs. And so I chose to use education. And then I met this device, the people that have this device. And so um, it is, <laughs> if, if you believe in your breathing techniques and, and how people say you can take breaths to calm your nerves, uh, I want to tell you, um, it it is effective, and it does work. So uh, we are hoping that we can get this to veterans through the VA, and so I've partnered with them to help share that conversation with our veteran community. So shouts out to Comigo. Go. All right, so I have some tabs that I want to um, just kind of paint this picture for you. Um, a lot of times we say, you know. You know, people ask, who are you, right? And a lot of times we go to what we do in life. Oh, I'm a broadcaster or I'm an advocate or I'm a this, I'm a that. But I learned for myself in my transition out of the service was, who is Farhan? Who is Farhan when Farhan shows up? And it took some time to figure that out. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of healing. It took a lot of things going on in my life in this journey that we call life, uh, that this game of life. Uh, it 
you know, sometimes you got to tell the truth to yourself. Sometimes you got to be honest with yourself and tell yourself, you know, is there, is, is this, is this all, is this it? Like at some point in my life, in my transition out of service, like I knew there was something better. I like, I knew there was, I was more than what I was dealing with and my worries and my circumstances and my concerns. And I've also realized that, you know, we like, we like to decompartmentalize our life. Like we like to put in our minds, you know, my career's over here. My family life is over here. My friendship life, like we put these, these, these blocks in our mind to section off how we show up. But really it's still you. It's still you as the common denominator in all of your relationships. And so today, after peeling off a lot of those layers, like an onion and crying, discovering, you know, and I use the onion because what do onions do to the food? The onions bring flavor, but the process of peeling that layer off and then chopping it up and then tears in your eyes. But when you saute that onion on a steak or whatever you, you know, mixing that onion with, it brings out flavor. So imagine that your life, when you go through these processes of dealing with whatever you're dealing with in your life, that on the other side of it, there's flavor, there's freedom, there's peace of mind, there's joy. And so I just want to share with you that it is possible to find peace in life, in your heart in your subconscious mind, but it takes work. And you have to be willing to do the work. People can't point it out to you, even though they point it out to you and you know they're right about what they're saying about you, you don't wanna look bad. So you don't let people speak into your life. Because you have to ask permission. As much as we care about our loved ones and our friends and family, sometimes you just can't speak into people's life. Sometimes you have to ask permission. Sometimes people just want to hear, be heard without any opinions, without any feedback. But it also takes confidence for us to tell that to our family and friends. Hey, I don't want no feedback. Just listen. We talk about communication. We talk about listening. We talk about all these ways of being in life. But sometimes it leaves us disappointed and upset and frustrated, but not just with people, but with ourselves included. And so the Front Dozier show is a is a variety show. Uh, you're going to experience some fun, some excitement, some laughter, maybe some tears. Because my purpose is to create a relatedness in this conversation about life. And speaking to different aspects of my life. And talking from that, I'm not going to talk about my life, I'm going to talk to you from my life experiences and before and during after my military service. And I'm gonna allow veterans and those who say they care about veterans to come on this show and do the same thing in return. If you would like to be a part of the show, if you would like to be a guest in the future, you're more than welcome to come and hang out. My Instagram and Facebook, I mean, my Instagram and uh, Twitter is at the Frondosier Show. Um, you can also go to thefrandoziershow.com and figure out, you know, what you want to talk about, what you want to bring, what you want to share as well. So it's not just a one-way conversation. I'm going to bring people on, organizations, different eras of our military veterans to come and share who they are and what they're up to. So now today when people ask me, well, who are you, Farhan? Like, who are you? Who are you? I don't just say what I do anymore. I also say who I get to be is that others see their greatness through my self-expression. This is my self-expression. 
I've been in radio for now almost 14 years. And I'm going to go through that journey as we continue the show today. But also who I get to be is that others find their peace of mind through their language. Because language is so important, how we talk, how we think, where do those thoughts come from? Can you catch those thoughts before they come out of your mouth and, and, and not have to ask for forgiveness after you said something that you didn't mean to say? Is it possible? It is. And that last piece is demonstrating self-forgiveness. This journey that I've been on has been about self-forgiveness. And that is something that I know it takes confidence. It took my it took confidence for me. It took courage to be able to self-reflect and to challenge the first 40 years of my life to realize that, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. And maybe some of the things that I said that I told myself wasn't the truth. Maybe it was Ferran's truth, but it wasn't the truth. And the ability to take those areas and look in life, have conversations with people in my life, get what their side of the story was, get what their perception of that conversation was, and realize, man, I made up a whole story that wasn't the truth. And when you get a sense of another person's version of the same story that you guys were in, in those disappointments, in those upsets, in those dis and, and, and disagreements, guess what? What becomes the truth now? Because I have a perception, you have a perception. So maybe being the bigger person saying, you know what? Please forgive me. I'm going to set aside my story because obviously there's two sides, three sides, four sides, whatever. But I'd like to restore this conversation, restore this relationship. That's a different type of living. That's a different person. And so that's what we're going to talk about on this show in so many different ways for people to self-reflect, for you to hear stories. Originally, this show, my military show, was called Trench Talk. I'm still debating on having it become trench talk. A part of me, you know, I use the Ferran Dozier show, but it sounds a little selfish. And I haven't really dealt with the title because I know that in radio, in the world, you want to brand yourself. And that's how I came to use my name because I was told by a very important person in my life who was in radio for many years they said, you want to use your show? You want to brand your name so people know your name? Yeah. But what about when I have co-hosts and I have friends who come aboard that want to join the team? Then it's like it's my show. And I'm not a selfish person. So I added the trench talk as a segment still as it relates to my military community because there are different aspects of my life. I got a sports show. I got a you know military show. I got a show about life. So, yeah, you know, I'm working that out. But if you see the name change, just keep rocking with me because it's still the same person. But I had trench talk um, most of my career when I joined in 1989 as a 19-year-old, as a you know, being out in, in I was a, a track vehicle repair supply, a fuel handler truck driver. And as a fuel handler, my first initial years, it was like, you know, being on those log packs, coming in at like, 12 o'clock at night, delivering, you know, beans and bullets and fueling vehicles. You know, we would park and we would sit under the stars and just talk about where we came from and get connected in life. And even back then, we used to have to dig foxholes ourselves. And so I remember having to do those, but the connectedness, the relatedness. And I, 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 it was on my heart to to have you know trench talk. I never knew it was going to be a talk show. I just knew that the conversations that we were having as soldiers, that camaraderie that we experienced, 
as strangers and then becoming friends and then we be willing to die for one another. It just took out his trench talk. And as I retired and started getting into another level of broadcasting, I found that that could be the way that I could stay connected to veterans. And so I used Trench Talk as an episode. And then it became this whole platform. And I've been blessed to use Trench Talk as a radio show uh, to partner with Calvet at a point in time in the past. I used my radio show to have conversations with veterans and their brand. And to have a government contract like that was that was it was phenomenal to experience that. So I know there's value. I know it's important. I know there's still a need for a space for veterans to come and share who they are outside of that uniform, especially when that uniform comes off. And for me, that's how I got here, because when my uniform was coming off, my identity was attached to that camouflage. My identity was attached to that rank. And so after 24 years of service, I didn't know who Faran was. I had no idea who Faran was. I was lost. But being a huge sports fan back then, my friends saw my behavior kind of shift a little bit because I stopped going to the bar and watching the sports. I found myself laying in bed all the time. And my buddy was like, why don't you do a, a sports show? I, I've, I heard that people do these talk shows online. And so I looked up broadcasting and I found Blog Talk Radio in 2009. And in 2010, I launched my first episode on Blog Talk Radio. It's still out there. WDC The Movement. What's to Count Radio. But what I lost interest was in the highlights, like the scores, I still wasn't watching it, but I had a show. And so I found someone who was in Boston. His platform was Sports Log, Sports Wall, and he would post sports all day long on his Facebook. You name it, from hockey to badminton, like the guy knew and knows his sports. And so I reached out to him. He agreed to be my host because I could just still talk trash, but he knew sports. So I was still able to dialogue and communicate with him. And we started that show. I also had a, a woman as well. She was into football. And so she would be on the show with us as well. Uh, but her boyfriend at the time got kind of a little jealous. So she had to walk away from the episode. But I still appreciated her to bring that woman's perspective. This is 2010. This is before, you know, where we are today with podcasting. It wasn't even called podcasting when I started on Blog Talk. It was just internet radio. And there was no cameras. It was my laptop and a phone line. And because I was so nervous and I was depressed and dealing with anxiety and having suicide ideations, I also had a glass of cranberry and vodka. <laughs> and I would drink that like an hour before the episode because I was nervous. I didn't know who was listening, if anybody was even listening, if anybody even cared. So, you know, we say sometimes it, alcohol takes the edge off. It can. But we also know that sometimes even in the military that we celebrate with alcohol. Now, that's not right or wrong or good or bad, but it was what my go-to was. And so as we launched that platform of WC The Movement, What's Account Radio, um, I had a blast. It gave me something to live into the future other than the uncertainty of my career coming to an end. And so I can tell you that blog talk show kept me alive. That blog talk radio show in 2010 kept me alive because I added that to express myself in the dark spots. And it brought me out of that darkness for, if it was only for those two hours or that half an hour, it worked. But as I began to talk about 
sports and stay connected to him, sports log, as we develop the show each week. At the same time, I'm going to the doctor because my health is deteriorating. Something happened to me with my health. And I started to discover that this inherited gene that I have called sickle cell trait was actually the cause of my military career coming to an end. And so that blog talk show not only became a sports talk show, but it became a show that I started interviewing people in this community of sickle cell that I had no idea existed. I knew I had a cousin with sickle cell, but I didn't know that I was also connected to this community. And so as I found people who live with this inherited gene, the show became a talk show and a sports show. And then as I discovered that my sickle cell trait gene was not only in the military community, but athletes have collapsed and died from sickle cell trait exertion with rhabdomyolysis. And that even connected me more to the sports world because now I can share with athletes and help athletes who have this inherited gene understand what the risk factors are for being sickle cell trait carriers. So it became <laughs> more than just a talk show. It became a part of my expression in life. And when I did have those ideations of wanting to take my life because I thought life was over completely, I held onto my daughter. I have three daughters, Jay, Brittany, and Deja. At the time, Deja was with me, and I held onto the thought of her because I didn't want to take my life. I knew that I had mental toughness. I knew that, you know, I was strong-minded, but this was different. This depression and anxiety that I was experiencing was just a little bit different than I had ever experienced in my life before. Now, we know peer pressure, you know, can cause some children to, to have suicide thoughts. And I, I, I did have a couple as a child running away from home and things like that. But this one, when the, my military career, that one was that one was rough. So I had these two things that I was holding on to. And so it became a talk show. And it just grew from 2010 to now here in 2024. And I've been on different networks. I've been, I've had different co-hosts. And I've been able to express myself. And I've been able to share my platform with people to come on who's nervous just like me. I was nervous before I started and I've been at it for 14 years and I was nervous leading up to this live. But once those cameras disappear and once you get connected to the person, like there's that relatedness. And ultimately I want you to walk away from that relatedness from this show that you can look in your life and self-examine and discover what's, What's your game of life? What's your purpose, your passion, your gift? But it's going to take something. It's not going to happen by itself. So a lot of the conversations in the future episodes, um, these are just some of the categories. Uh, with these categories that I've, that I've chosen, they're endless. You know, I can have a whole series for a whole year of just these different topics. But these are the things that I felt were important to me and important to our veteran community. And there's a lot of resources and information out there that needs to be addressed and talked about. And as we talk about these, we get to talk from these because you get to put your life in these conversations on how they show up for you. And so this first conversation that we'll be having throughout this show is transition planning. Do you ever, th did, do you think about that? Did you think about transitioning out of the military before you, before you was forced out or before, you know, like, did you, were you prepared to transition out of the service back into this civilian world that, as they say, sometimes we don't think about that, especially when it's not by your choice. My transition was not by my choice. I, I fought that medical board. I appealed it as many times as I could. And they found me not fit for service from my experience, from my sickle cell trade exertion. And I'll talk about that on the second half. 
So I got a whole guide of transitioning, transition planning. Another one that we'll be talking about is managing money. Some of us, like myself, we talk about a budget, but do you have a budget? Do you even care? What's your relationship to money? What's your relationship to time in that planning, in that transition planning? What's your relationship to time? Some of us think that we have enough time and we become procrastinators. Sometimes we think we don't have enough time and we become anxious and we worry about life. One of these, this next one is important to me, overcoming depression. There's a booklet that we're going to be talking from that talks about overcoming depression. Another one is personal resilience. Are you resilient? We use that word to describe like like what we do. Like I, I'm like, you, you don't, you, but you don't do resilience. You have to be resilient, right? That's a way of being. But are you resilient? Are you really able to bounce back when things don't turn out the way that they that you think they should turn out? Because that's what being resilient is. Is when something happens that you're when you're up to something and it's not fun anymore because it becomes work. Or a disappointment happens. And you're like, well, forget it. Do you bounce back and continue taking on that committed thing that you said you was committed to doing or being? So I I believe we have resilience kind of mixed up. And that's why our language is so important and how we use words and how we talk. So we're going to talk about being resilient as a way of being, not just as something that we get to do because it shows up in the world differently. And it's a different experience for you as well. One of my main topics besides that depression one is the preventing suicide. Suicide prevention. It is, I mean, what can we say? Our brothers and sisters, they say take their life one every 65 minutes. They used to say it's 22 a day. We know that that number is probably more. So right now they say one Every 65 minutes, a veteran, male or female, takes their life. And if you've ever been in that situation, like myself, I know what that feels like. I know what that tastes like. I know what it is to have a plan. But have you ever really talked about what that looks like for you as a person? And also, we're going to talk about some veteran benefits. There's so many benefits as a veteran. So, 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 so many benefits. And so these are the kind of conversations we're going to have. So I hope that you enjoy. You take time out to listen, whether it's live or in the archives. Again, you can follow along uh, wherever you are. You can reach out to me, send me a message if you want to be a guest on the show. And we'll talk more about the Frondose show on NBR Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. So I'm going to go here and I'm going to play this public service announcement again, and then we shall return right here on the Frondose show. Where we go? Some of us still carry the burden of battle. It threatens to drown us in our everyday lives. In battle, we had our weapons and combat gear to keep us safe, to keep us confident. But when we returned home, we were not armed with weapons and gear to cope with our own minds. I was lucky to find my combat gear, my mental weapon, and it's called Calmigo. Calmigo is a drug-free device that allows you to achieve calm in less than three minutes. In moments of anxiety, stress, anger, panic, or insomnia, not with medication, but rather by activating the parasympathetic nervous system through breathing regulation and multisensory stimulation. A recent study has shown that Comigo decreases PTSD and anxiety levels in veterans, helping those who are suffering and having a long-lasting effect. 
Visit Comigo.com to learn how you can get Comigo through the VA or with a special veteran's discount code. All right, welcome back to the Frondosia Show right here on NBR Radio. All right, so I've just kind of shared with you just, you know, a little bit of my life and what we plan on talking about here on this talk show um, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1300 for you veterans, for you soldiers, Eastern Time. So I have some tabs I want to share with you, you know, just of what I'm up to in life. And uh, if any of these things resonate with you, and you like to, you know, um, have these discussions with me, they might be something that you care about. So I'm going to share my screen. And on this first one um, is my sickle cell trait advocacy. Uh, I'm the founder of What's the Count of Sickle Cell Trait Prevention. Uh, this is my uh, gift from God. I will say that because um, I was born with this gene. This gene, uh, I've had some 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 health complications with this gene, as I shared earlier. But also, I found a whole nother community of people that I'm connected to, that I can share, that need to hear my voice, that need to hear where I'm coming from, and maybe to realize that they're not alone. That those experiences that they've had with their inherited gene could be that sickle cell trait. And so I'm going to share with you the website uh, that I've had and that I use to advocate from. I'm going to share that. And so this is my um, nonprofit organization. It's called What's the Count of Sickle Cell Trade Prevention. Uh, I, I travel through the community bringing awareness to this inherited gene. Uh, that is a public service announcement that I created. You can go to the site. There is a survey that I have that you can take that survey. I usually int introduce that survey in the beginning of my talks so I can find out what people know about sickle cell trait before I share my information. Uh, in my community of Fontana, um, August is Sickle Cell Trait Prevention Month, so I've had a proclamation for like eight years now with the mayor uh, and the city of, of uh, Fontana. And so that is something that I get to bring awareness to in the community with the proclamation. I'm going to take myself off the screen because I don't need to see myself. Um, so when you go to that website, wdconsct.org, you can scroll through there and you can learn about sickle cell trade. I have a announcement. I'm actually going to play the PSA. Um, this is actually the PSA that I created. Um, when I came into this community, people said that there was no public service announcement for sickle cell trade. They, we don't have any PSAs. And so God had given me this one for, for man, about five years before I actually put it together. I would talk about it, but I never took the actions. And I was in one of my seminars from Landmark, and the conversation was, what have you put on the shelf that you wanted to do in life and you haven't worked on it? And so this PSA came in my mind. I had put that on the shelf. And so I made a commitment in that seminar, 10 sessions, that I would have this public service announcement done by a certain date and then I looked in the future and I want I knew what I wanted it to look like. And then I wrote down each step on how I made that PSA happen. And I was able to create it in real time. And so I'm gonna play for you this public service announcement for my sickle cell trade organization called What's in Your Genes. <laughs> Oh, 
Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm blessed, my brother. I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, did you see the game last night? Oh, that was a good game. But did you see the shot? I lost money from that shot. Oh, too. man, that shot was cold, I man. It, but it was good. Damn. What's in the Mm. You really want to know? I do. Exhaustion, muscle spasm, asthmatic issues, unexpected sickle trait crises. Damn, are you serious? When I was young, I found out I had sickle cell trait. My mom's told me, but I ain't have no knowledge of it. But when I got older, I had a child, and the doctor told me my daughter has sickle cell trait. Do you know the fact that both parents have sickle cell trait? There's a 50% chance the child may have the trait, and 25% chance the child may have the disease. And that's what's the count. Do you know that 2.5 million people in the United States have sickle cell trait, 300 million people globally? I didn't find out I had sickle cell trait until I was in the Army 10 years. Next thing you know, I had a sickle cell trait exertion site. I thought that was a black gene or something. Nah, man, the Latin community is number two. One out of 36,000 babies are being born with sickle cell disease. You could be Caucasian, Mediterranean, European. You gotta know your bloodline, man. There is an inherited gene in our community that has been forgotten. The name is sickle cell trait. W-D-C-O-N-S-C-T, also known as What's the Count, is out to bring awareness, education, and prevention to people all over the globe. Want more information? Call us now at 323-215-5384 or visit www.wdconsct.org. So that is work. Um, each one of those persons that you see in that video, that is their real life. Um, Turquoise Thompson, she ran track for UCLA. She has sickle cell traits. She experienced those complications uh, during her track career. Um, the other gentleman also uh, experienced his conversation with his mother and about his daughter having sickle cell trait. He's a music artist. Um, myself, uh, that is my real story about sickle cell trait. And then the guy who was the extra that came and sat down on the bench, uh, he was part of the crew, and he was able to get educated through our conversation as well. So that is my public service announcement. I'm very proud of that. I'm blessed to have that out um, as a share. And again, it's very important um, for people to understand that if you have this inherited gene, there can be some risk factors and complications. And I had no idea. The Air Force found my sickle cell trait uh, 10 years after being in the military. And they told me that I should be fine. There should be no complications. I should have no issues. However, that wasn't true. And so I ended up having that exertional collapse with sickle cell with rhabdomyolysis. And here we are today. The donation page, uh, what I've taken on this year is actually the ROTC and the military um, conversation. So I have a, a ROTC, RSP Military Awareness Initiative. And so the goal is to go out and educate uh, soldiers, those who are planning to be a soldiers, um, because the Army in 2020 started retesting their soldiers for sickle cell trait across the board. So every annual PHA physical, soldiers are gonna be tested if they have not already been tested to find out their sickle cell trait status. Now I'm not saying I'm responsible for that, but I can tell you the last 13 years that I've been advocating, I have been speaking and pointing to this conversation about my experience with sickle cell trait and what it looks like. And so, um, the Army has to protect those soldiers with those inherited genes, to identify them. They are retesting all soldiers. So now when I go to the base to speak, I actually meeting soldiers who have been tested for sickle cell trait, but they still didn't get the knowledge. They didn't get the understanding of why they were getting the test done, right? Because there are risk factors. You know, not everybody's going to have complications, but for some This is what you need to be aware of. And so this is me actually at Camp Roberts, uh, recorded 
a conversation about this is how part of my presentation is when I speak with soldiers at the base. So doing my research, when I started to become this advocate and trying to figure out what happened to me, I found this in the medical books. Most people with sickle cell trait do not have any symptoms of sickle cell disease. Well, that's true. Sickle cell trait will never turn into sickle cell disease or anemia. Two different conversations. But this word right here changes the conversation. Although, and it says, although in rare cases, people with sickle cell trait might experience complications of sickle cell disease, such as. So then that's when I started paying attention. Because they've known, but it just hasn't been addressed. And so it's not sickle cell disease, it's just a trait. But this is from the medical books. Pain crisis. In the extreme form and in rare cases, the following conditions can be harmful to people with SCT, increased pressures in the atmosphere, as I mentioned, places like Denver, Colorado, where the air is thin, scuba diving. And so that's me. I had no idea. And it says here, in, uh, during exercising, climb, mountain climbing, exercise extremely hard with uh, military and boot camp and athletic competitions. So it's been there for years, but it hasn't been talked about or addressed. So that's just one of the recordings that I did at Camp Roberts uh, when I attend um, about 10 times a year. I drive about four hours one way, spend the night, wake up that next morning, do my conversation and drive home. It's been a blessing. I've done speaks engagements at HBCU colleges. Uh, that picture in the corner there is me at a, one of the HBCUs speaking. And even in my community, uh, I've had some events to help bring awareness to sickle cell trait. It is a very important, it is a public health issue, right? It is a public and The whole part about being here on this network is because they're we're, 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 they're located in Denver, Colorado. As I mentioned in that conversation, uh, Denver, Colorado is not the ideal place for people to come in with sickle cell trait and just start exercising and playing games and you know doing those kind of strenuous things because the air is thin and the red blood cells carry oxygen throughout the body. And so being on this network. And, and connected to Denver, uh, uh, the Denver Broncos recently lost one of their athletes, uh, Ronnie Hillman. And Ronnie Hillman died from a rare kidney cancer that's connected directly to sickle cell trait. And so to help bring awareness, right, to athletes, to military veterans, to parents, to children, to coaches. This is this is my purpose. This is who I get to be. This is my activity of when I get to show up. Just one of them is my sickle cell trait talks. Who I get to be when I show up as a person is what I share with you in the beginning. That others see their greatness through my self-expression. That others find their peace of mind through their language. And that others help in that healing and demonstrating self-forgiveness. That's who I get to be when I show up as an experience. But who I get to be as a person in my activities of life, I got a, I got quite a few. This is number one. The sickle cell trait talk is my number one because I was born with that. Uh, I found the scriptures in the Bible. God has shown that, that this is what he put me in my mother's womb to be born to deliver this message. And my military career was just a part of the process to get me to be in front of you right here. And so I'm blessed. I know that this is important. I know that is important. Sometimes I don't think it is. Sometimes I don't think anybody cares about this conversation. But let me tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't get reminded how important this sickle cell trait talk is. And for people like Ronnie Hillman, who lost their life to a rare kidney cancer that they didn't discover until it was like almost stage four. And then a few months later, he passes away. We think that he would have the best doctors to recognize what was going on in his body. It's not a blame, but how many more people in life are dealing with this? 
inherited gene that they have no idea that they could have health complications and that worst case cause sudden death. I had all these symptoms except for the cardiac arrest that I didn't die that day when I collapsed at my master sergeant academy. I was at my military school working on my E8 rank and that morning I collapsed after the two mile run. I had no idea. They thought it was dehydration, heat stroke, rhabdomyolysis was the diagnosis because I had renal failure. My, 50, my kidneys were at 50%. I was dying that day on the inside and had no idea that it was connected to sickle cell trait until five years later. From a veteran friend who I was deployed with, he was my platoon leader. I was a platoon sergeant, and we never talked about traits until he saw me on the base five years later and asked me how I'd been. And when I told him, he said, oh, my muscles locked up, but I have sickle cell trait. I got to drink extra water. And I'm like, man, that sounds familiar. And here we are. He reminded me of my trait status. Another part of my conversation, I'm going to take you to the gold tenders because this is so important. Uh, when I met Caldwell Williams, he had been doing this mindfulness conversation for years, 60 years he was doing this talk. Right. And so when I met him, he was doing veteran suicide conversations. And I connect with him because I had been in that same path of my own self-discovery. And so I'm going to share with you his website that I'm a part of about how we are helping the community deal with youth suicide, veteran suicide, people who are who feel like we're lost in our identity. But what is it really for us? It's a human being flaw. We all deal with some kind of a experience of ourself. And where does it come from? So I'm going to play, I'm going to pull up the, share my screen again, and I'm going to bring up uh, the Goaltenders uh, website. I just want you to see uh, some of the things that he has been doing. And as veterans, you know, even today, I still miss the, I experience missing the military today. And one of the things that we've discovered is what do we really miss as a veteran? Like, what is the number one thing that we miss? And guess what it is? What was your high point while in service? Um, my high point while in service was probably just the uh, the camaraderie. The camaraderie. Camaraderie within the troops. You know, um, it was that brotherhood that I love. It's a brotherhood that I miss, you know, being a part of something, you know, having a mission, you know, um, just going out there helping people, you know, uh, gaining the hearts and minds of, you know, people from around the world. That is what it's about, ladies and gentlemen. I know for me, that's that's even why I created this talk show, Trench Talk, because I wanted to stay connected to my brothers and sisters in the military. And Caldwell has been doing this work for veterans uh, since about 2015, but he's done this work, like I said, 60 years back for youth, for corporations, helping them discover the most important compelling thing for human beings is to belong. We all want to belong. We want to belong in our families. We want to belong to communities. We belong. We want to have friends. But guess what? Sometimes that sense of belonging gets thwarted because I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I'm worth it. I don't feel like whatever that, whatever your I'm not is, you got to find out where it's coming from. Because that could be enough to take you out. So the sense of belonging is what we talk about in Goaltenders. I got three videos, clips I'm going to show you. And I want you to listen. So these are real veterans. Some combat, some non-combat. That, that have dealt with their life. And, and, and Caldwell's education has allowed, was allowed to help them self-discover. One of the toughest points of my life was I had a really bad uh, mental breakdown. It, it was between what happened overseas to losing a friend who committed suicide when we came back to 
uh, decisions I've made during my lifetime and uh, not being able to be athletic anymore, not be able to run anymore, just a lot of things with the anxiety and everything else that happened to a point where when they pulled me over, uh, I couldn't hang myself because my rope was in my trunk and I couldn't cut myself as hard as it was. I tried, uh, couldn't do it. So I had about 200 pills I brought from, from a CVS store. It was, uh, so I ended up taking all the pills and, uh, and I woke up in a hospital bed, handcuffed with a tube down my throat with hearing all these pills coming. I've done two combat uh, deployment rotations to Afghanistan, and um, I suffered major fatigueness uh, while I was over there with my mental and my physical health. I was afraid to sleep with my daughter because um, I, I aggressively uh, move around in my sleep, and sometimes I could be very violent. With all the things that occurred with me, and all of those situations, it lead me up to this point, um, checking into a shelter. You know, I lost my, my wife, my daughter. As one so dealing with PTSD is something that requires a sophisticated sort of method of self-discovery to be able to- I wound up in Caldwell Williams program and everything that they talked about was put to words the things I felt that I couldn't say. You know, the, the information I had gleaned, the personal insights I had, it was as if someone had already gone through it and had pieced it all together and understood how a person goes through the self-transformation uh, discovery. This transition from having wounds into using them to become whole and complete. And that's what Caldwell Williams program does. So dealing with PTSD is. So I, I can tell you that um, after meeting Caldwell and taking his education, even after all the stuff that I had taken for myself, I learned even more about my life and my journey around what I was dealing with. And so I'm gonna share with you uh, my personal clip. Um, I'm also a hidden pioneer. Uh, with the organization that goes out into the community, the high schools, and just give them options in life. A lot of times we just think that we can be football players and cops and gangsters and military, but there are 40,000 plus type of jobs out there. But what I tell people is you can open up any door you want for those children, for us as veterans. But if I'm emotionally not included by my emotional state of myself, I'm not going to walk through that door. So that sense of belonging is not just what you do for me. I have to experience that for myself. And we can show people how you can read because you're already included. We're already included as human beings. But the language, how we talk, we label each other, blacks, white, Asians, Hispanic, that disconnects us. Even as a veteran, you know, we're trained to objectify another human being into a terrorist. And then you can kill that terrorist. But then what happens when that brain remembers one day that that was a human being? It wasn't a terrorist. What about in athletics? Fans, sports fans kill each other in parking lots and stadiums because of a team jersey that they're wearing and they don't even own the team. But I'll kill you because you are a Laker fan and you got on a Clipper jersey. And we, we that's how powerful objectification is that I could label you as a other, and then I talk to you as such. I label you as a white person, and I could talk to you how the world talks about white people. You're black, I'm gonna talk to you about how the black people talks about black people, how the world talks about, because I'm labeling you as a black person, not as a human being. And these are conversations that we can have. These are conversations that we're having. As parents, we have our concerns for our children. We want them to turn out. My parents just wanted me to turn out as a child, but they didn't really know because they had me as a child. They were 19 and 20 years old. So what, I'm 51 now, and still trying to figure out what life is. So can I, I can imagine you know, my parents having a child in such a young age, and then I looked at how they grew up and what was going on when they were born and what was going on when my grandparents were born, post-slavery. 
So you can see how that generation had passed on ways to survive life. And then you have a child and you want that child to develop and grow. But we have concerns for our children. But we, we forget as parents is that our children grow up with concerns on their own life. And now how do we put our concerns aside and worry about what that child is worrying about, not what we're worried about? Because that's that child's life. That's not our life. So I had to then go back and heal my relationship with my three daughters because I had treated them how my parents treated me. And you see how the cycle kept going on. But now I have a grandson. And now that I'm educated and I'm aware of that, we get to break that cycle and he will have the skills and the knowledge to listen and then make his own choices. And I believe that if we have this part of us as a core conversation with our youth, then the jobs that we introduce them to, they will look at an opportunity for them to be included by either dialogue skills or by their merit, not because of a race or a color that society has built up what inclusion looks like. And the military does inclusion by objectification so well because it teaches us to transform that person into a terrorist, right? So when we objectify one another, now I'm no longer connected to you as a person, you're a other. And then that allows me to talk to you or treat you in the other. And the military does it where we can transform that person into a terrorist and then you kill that terrorist. So I'm not killing a person, I'm killing the terrorist. As parents, this is important uh, discussion. Uh, I have a page on here. I'm the vice president of Goaltenders. And so um, Caldwell has trusted me with his education that when he passes away, that uh, I will be able to continue this conversation um, because I've done the work and I'm able to articulate it and actually train it and teach other people for those who are willing to listen. You got to be willing. You got to be willing to do the work. And not everybody's willing. Not everybody understands that there is an opportunity that you can discover self-forgiveness, which can lead to peace of mind. So this is the, this is the Goaltenders website. Um, if you want information about that, you are more than welcome to, again, uh, be a part of this conversation as well. These are just some of the things that I'm going to be bringing to the network, to my talk show, to talk about um, as far as how we're going to help take care of our veterans and our families and our children. That's the next generation. The children are our future. That is not a cliche. That is real life. And if you are an adult, you as a child, your parents were children. Look, go talk to your mom and dad and find out what it was like for them when they were born. Go to your grandparents and find out what it was like for them when they were born. Find out how why those families came to the United States fleeing from their countries to come here for a better life. But then we still have those wounds that we carried here. And yes, our black community, for some people, still talk about slavery and the Jim Crow era. But that's not my era. I don't have those emotional wounds. But we can still acknowledge that era. And then what is it today? It's my turn. It's my turn. I can live in the past of the upsets of slavery and Jim Crow era, or I could figure out how I can move that conversation forward. And so if you're interested in these kind of talks, this is what I'm bringing uh, as the Ferrandose show on NBR. And it is very important. And I thank you for the opportunity to do this first episode <laughs> uh, and just hope that you follow along at Ferran Dozier um, is, my, is, is my personal information, but you can also go to, uh, I have a sports show on Sunday nights, 8 p.m. at Sports Collective on Instagram. Uh, all of my stuff is all over my pages, social media. Uh, and again, make sure you go to NBR and, and download the app and you can catch us live on the app interact with us on the app. And again, I'm very grateful for this to be the first episode of the Ferran Dozier show. And again, thank you for listening. And I look forward to um, just bringing some content um, and not talking about life as a veteran, but talking from life so that people can start to heal, so that we can start to reconcile our relationships, so we can find our purpose, our passions, and our gifts, all in a conversation. All this lives in language. It's all in language. And you have the power to control your language. We have feelings and emotions, and you don't have to become them.
I thank the VA for the kind of the behavior. That class helped me discover how exaggerated my thoughts were. So we're talking about all of these different conversations right here on the Frondosi Show. Shalasa was the count. And we're going to end this with this one. <laughs>